Hello, everyone. It's Miss Helen. Welcome to the Texas Toast Podcast. This episode is going to be up close and personal with everyone's favorite Josh Abbott. The Josh Abbott Band has a new album out somewhere down the road. We're going to dig into that. We'll also talk some panhandler stuff, and then I'll share a personal story about one of his special songs. So enjoy Josh Abbott. Let's go. This one's been a long time coming. Josh Abbott, how are you? We're here to talk about the band's new album, Somewhere Down the Road, which is totally awesome. And how's it going today? It's going great. Valentine's started off the morning, uh, you know, with my kiddos and taking them to school. And they got little presents that my wife kind of put together for them and made them feel super special today. And so, yeah, it's been a good little start. I might still have ashes on me, too. I took my son, and they had chapel, and so it was Ash Wednesday, of course. Yes, it is. Yes, I'll I'll be getting mine a little bit later on. So the new album has 12 tracks on it, and um, I like, I'm just going to jump into some of the tracks that, that, of course, I'm a huge fan. I've, I've introduced you so many times on stage when I was in um, radio. I'm a Matagorda girl. I'm that Matagorda Bay girl, you know. But awesome. We'll, we'll get into that story later. But okay. you kind of kick things off really exciting and really dramatic with the intro on Astronaut and then rolling into mm-hmm. that song. The whole, it just makes you want to scream and shout. I just, I just love the whole uh, beat on that. The Copenhagen habit and a GED. Yeah. Tell me about that one, Josh. <laughs> I mean, so I love that song. And it's one of the, few on this record that I didn't write. Um, so probably odd that we started the record with a song that I didn't write, especially on such a record that was so, you know, intentful, so to speak, like a lot of solo rights on my end. But getting back to what you're saying, uh, my buddy Eric Dillon wrote this song uh, with two very talented songwriters, uh, Driver Williams and Randy Montana. They've all had a ton of hits in Nashville. Uh, but they're all cool dudes. They wrote this song, and Eric put it out years ago on one of his records. And then he did a follow-up. He did the same record, but he did it acoustic. And when I heard his acoustic version, it made me think like, oh, I could reproduce this in another way. And I heard it being kind of more of a Steve Earle vibe, yes. like a very just mm-hmm. aggressive, you know, maybe a little bit of Turnpike Troubadours in there. I don't know, just something that was a little bit more... I had a little bit more teeth to it than maybe what we typically have done as a band in years past. Um, And so I just kind of had this vision for that song um, and how I wanted it to go. And of course, my keys player was pushing for us to add synth to this record. And so we did. We added that uh, to about half the record. And this song, it's pretty heavy on. So if you listen to it in headphones, you can really hear a lot of the cool synth mix stuff that we did in the ears and the way it pans from left to right and does super cool little weird effects. You might not hear it if it's if you're just listening to it through a phone, but if you listen through headphones, you're going to hear some weird, trippy shit. And uh, that was very intentional on our end. And um, yeah, I really love how that song starts the record off. And it's just the cool song about the working man. And even though mm-hmm. I... Um, even though I I don't have... I've, I don't, my friends are like... They're like, dude, how are you going to sing about having a GED? You have a master's degree. I'm like, well, you know, I can't I can't get up there and say uh, with Copenhagen habit and a master's degree. That's just doesn't even make sense at all. So um, we we kept GED and I'll just embrace it. Oh, man, love that one. And so one thing that you did write by yourself, that's actually I just love how it's just it's such a flowing song and it's so upbeat, the thinking, drinking, dreaming. It's what were you thinking? And, and mm-hmm. your voice just is so highlighted on that song. 
I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, I wrote that. Uh, oh, I'm trying to think uh, when I wrote that. I'm pretty sure I wrote that in 2018. Um, mm-hmm. And um, we kind of wrote that about them. What's really funny is I wrote that. I'll have to go look at my phone, but I wrote that in the same month for sure, but probably around the same week that I wrote uh, Guilt of a Man. And I feel like if you listen to, if you just read the lyrics to both of those songs, you really pick up on a vibe where, you know, I think my wife was really going through a hard time postpartum and um, I was feeling a little bit of guilt, like, you know, what's my role in all this? How can I be better? And do I deserve this person? And um, so those songs kind of have some similarities to them. Well, speaking of another one that you want to read the lyrics on, and that's She'll Always Be, that to me, mm-hmm. that that is the highlight song on the whole album. Thank you. That is really cool. I appreciate that. I've, I've had fun doing these interviews and podcasts. Uh, I feel like I've gotten a wide variety of favorites, but that one has been in everyone's kind of top three. Mm-hmm. So maybe we've got a special one on our hands. But yes. um, I wrote that funny story there as I wrote that with um, two of my buddies, Grant Gilbert, Grant. another mm-hmm. artist, and then um, Neil Medley. And uh, sorry, I hope I didn't lose you there. Somebody was calling me, but um so I wrote that song with Grant Gilbert and Neil Medley, and who's another songwriter, but also an artist, has a record that he put out last year. And it was Grant's idea, and we were writing for Grant that day. We were actually like writing to put to get him a song for him to put out. And um, he had the idea of writing the song that kind of compared a girl to the flower that grows through the concrete, and mm. he was very adamant that's what he wanted to write that day. So Neil and I jumped in and. I felt like that's the kind of song I write really well naturally, right? It kind of goes back to the days where I wrote She's Like Texas and She'll Be Free and um, some other really flattering songs um, I've written in the past. And so use some of those uh, grammar and English elements of, you know, creating uh, different comparisons. And I, I brought the song home and... My daughter, she's uh, six and a half now. And I think when we wrote it, she might have been five and a half. But I'm not sure. But uh, she said, Daddy, did you write that song about me? And I was like, uh, yes, I did. <laughs> I Maybe a little lie. But, you know, I kind of convinced myself it's not a lie because we wrote that song about this free spirited girl who's not confined by her environment maybe she lives in a big city but she has a country soul you know maybe she is living in an apartment in new york city but she has a free spirit that kind of girl and i just kind of envisioned my daughter with that same free spirit being living here in austin texas and still uh, having the kind of personality and soul that she does so anyway i dedicated that song to her on the record well, there's some amazing lyrics in there and kudos to love Grant Gilbert. We've had Grant on the podcast and I keep up with him and the six pack state of mind thing was amazing that y'all did together. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I, I like that song a lot. He asked me to do that. And that was, that was really cool. Yeah. Okay. So the title cut somewhere down the road, I like the uh, album art that you have. So let's talk about that. It's tying you. into your current tour that's somewhere down the road. So there's a very talented artist. Um, here in Austin named Gary Dorsey. And I discovered him through our producer, Dwight Baker, years ago when we did our front row seat record. So he did that record as well. Um, He 
we did the photo shoot with him and he, we staged the whole lonely chair for that. And then he also created the art to our until my voice goes out record, which was that really cool album cover with the guy carrying this huge thing that had all these different instruments stringing down from them. I've always thought it'd be a cool tattoo, but um, we went back to him for this record and um, I told him I wanted something really cool. And he goes, okay, man, but when you say that, do you want really cool as in like, country or do you want me to like do this like i would with like an alternative genre album and i said dude do something weird do something cool i wanted to really like stand out to people and he came up with that and he actually came up with three or four and they were all so cool but that one was by far my favorite and most of us on the team agreed and the band and everybody was kind of like this is the one so we felt like it was really cool um, and in a coincidental way, really spoke to where we wanted this album to be. Because when you look at that album cover and you see that highway and you see it go through that kind of portal into this new universe and it's kind of open-ended, right? Like, where is this going? It's really what we wanted you to think as the listener from the second you started listening to the record. When you're a minute in and you've heard that intro to Astronaut and then you hear that, we want you to be like, what is this? This is, the album is different. Where is this band going? And we really feel like we're growing. I don't know if like we're growing in a brand new crazy direction, but we're going somewhere cool, I think, with our band. And um, I'm excited to see what it holds. Honestly, what you just described is kind of what happened to me when I first looked at the cover and then started listening to the songs. There's so many good tracks on there. I know we're going to move on to some other stuff, but the Brutus, Judas, and you breaking bread and dishes. I mean, another good upbeat one. I mean, I'm just like, I'm I'm sorry. I'm a huge Josh Abbott band fan. So it's Thank like you. when we get a new album from y'all, it's like, oh, whoa, stop everything. Even if I wasn't doing this podcast, I'd be stopping everything and listening to it because over the years, you've brought us so many songs. I've been to so many of your shows. Have you ever wondered how artists like Treaty Oak Revival, Red Clay Strays, and Aaron Watson maintain the high quality and high demand for their merchandise? CH Star Promo is the answer. Created in Texas to serve Texas artists, and they're currently offering 15% off on all merch orders from musicians. Visit chlonestarpromo.com to get started and tell them Texas Toast sent you. I was reading the other day that it takes at least $1 million to break an artist. That's a ton of change, and it can feel overwhelming. But with social media leveling the playing field, you just need an effective strategy to release your music. Check out Release Rocket to ensure your single does not die after release day. You've already put time, effort, and tons of money into writing and recording your album. Let the guys at Release Rocket keep your new release alive. And I know y'all have a loaded tour date schedule. I was looking at your dates. Y'all are just loaded out there everywhere. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so essentially this is my make it or I don't know. I, <laughs> I should be careful how I, how I phrase this. It's almost a make it or take a break it record. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've been doing this for 15, 16 years and, you know, professionally, there's probably, you know, ups and downs with that. I'm not sure we've been professional the whole time, but you get what I mean. We've been pursuing this as a career for that long. And this is our seventh album and we've released several EPs in between. And we've had these, you know, flirtatious moments with kind of breaking big and we've grown a little bit in popularity and then it'll kind of maybe stabilize or go back down a little bit. And as you become an older artist, that's your biggest fear, right? Is, um, you know, you just want to stay relevant. You don't want to be the old guy. I don't feel like we're the old guys yet, but, if, you know, know, we're not 
We're not the new band that's in that. You know, most bands, when they start peaking and, and really getting super popular, it's around that year seven, eight mark. And then you see some bands who accomplish it before that, right? Like Parker McCollum, Co. Um, Flatland Calvary is right there in that year eight, nine, ten mark right now. And um, Zach Bryan, he did it really fast, which was amazing, right? But um, anyway, I, I'm rambling. But I think the point of what I was saying is we know that we're not the new, hot, young, up-and-coming band. We've had those moments. We've already had a record deal. We've already had moments with national radio. So now I feel like we put this album out to be like, okay, we are not just the guys who are going to age and just play the catalog for the rest of our careers. Like, I will probably always play She's Like Texas on that stage, right? It's a huge part of our career, but I don't want that to just be what my career is known for. I want to write my best songs and our biggest songs moving forward. And I think you saw a little bit of that on the last record with Settle Me Down. It's our most successful streaming song ever. It's been huge for us. And um, I, my goal is to have that moment on every record. I'd love for a song or two to really have a big special moment so that She's Like Texas isn't necessarily the first song you think about when you think about our band. And so I hope that we can accomplish that on this record. And, you know, we're all in. You know, we're an eight-piece band. We have a lot of expenses. Yes. We're touring all across the country. We're literally playing East Coast to West Coast because our goal is to to grow more nationally. And we're hope we're kind of all the chips are in. And if it works, then boom. And if it doesn't, we may have to like I don't know, take a break, see like where figure out like where we need to um, kind of focus our energy on. Well, thanks for sharing that on the podcast. That means a lot coming from you. And, you know, it's like your your music does mean so much to so many. But let's talk about another thing I'm obsessed with. Okay, I I totally miss these shows that came out with the Panhandlers. So you got that whole thing going on, too. Oh, my gosh. And today's Valentine's Day. Y'all have a Valentine's Day song on there. But we do. Man, yes. But. That's so good. It's so cool. And like, I know a couple of John's been on William Clark Green. I was like, can you give us more? Give us more. And I know y'all are busy, busy, busy with your own stuff. But I just thank you. Y'all are just amazing. The music's great. It's been such a fun, organic brotherhood. And, you know, do you know how this whole thing started? I'll give you a Cliff Notes version if you don't. Um, I was at Music Fest in 2019, 2019, and I was talking to John Dixon, the guy who puts on Music Fest, and it was the last day of the festival. In fact, I think everybody was, you know, kind of leaving, right? And we're talking in the hallway, and he said, uh, do you have any ideas for a cool show next year? Because we always talk about cool ideas for shows, song swaps or whatever. And I said, well, that Dixie Chicks tribute y'all did was pretty cool with all the girls. I was like, would you ever do that with? a group of guys and maybe we could pay ode to um, like the Flatlanders and the Mains brothers and those bands from like the Lubbock area and the Panhandle. And he said, man, that's a great idea. Who would you want to do that with? And I said, well, off the top of my head, William Clark Green, he's my best friend. I said, and you know, what? I think Cleto Cordero and John Bauman, I would ask them to be a part of it because I know that they really respect the, 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 Flatlanders music and they kind of channel that same poetic energy. He goes, cool, man, put it together. So I called those guys. I asked if they would do it with me. They said, yes, such an honor. Let's get together. We'll figure it out. And as we went down that road, we decided, well, we are all songwriters. What if we just 
instead of doing a showcase of just their songs, what if we came up with some of our own? And then it was like, well, if we're going to write some songs, why don't we write all the songs? Well, if we're going to write all these songs, we need a band name. And Cleto came up with the Panhandlers. And it's just literally how it evolved. It was never like this mastermind plot plan. It was this led to this, led to this, led to this. And of course, we put the first record out in 2020 in the first week of March. And as you know, that was the worst timing ever. We got buried. Um, we couldn't get press to save our lives because everyone was so focused on COVID and we had to cancel our tour and cancel everything. And so that record still ended up having a cool moment with West Texas and my eye being on Yellowstone. Mm -hmm. But other than that, you know, people were really slow to discovering the record. So we knew we had to get in and make a second one. And so we put out that other one last year and I love the heck out of it. Valentine on Valentine's is a song John Bauman wrote for that record. And he actually went in to sing it, but he just felt uncomfortable with it. He said he, he just didn't feel like he was doing it right. So he asked Cleto if him and Caitlin would do it. And they thought it was such a cool honor that he wrote this really sweet song and asked them to be the ones to sing it on the record. And that's how that song came about. But um, I feel like I'm talking too much. That's what it's all about. Panhandlers is a really fun deal. And this was our first tour that we just did um, a few weeks ago in January. And we were like, okay, let's just do it. If we're going to do it, let's do it. So we did nine shows in 12 days, I think, or something like that. And they crushed. I mean, we showed up to Denver. Uh-huh. We had no clue how many people would show up to Denver on a win- on a Thursday night, I think. And we had 850 people show up. That's crazy, right? We're singing songs about West Texas and the Panhandle in Denver, Colorado on a Thursday and had almost 900 people. And then the next night in Wichita, Kansas, we had 700 people. And I know these numbers aren't like super staggering. It's not like they were thousands and thousands of people, but you got to remember we're singing songs about West Texas and Mm -hmm. farmers and ranchers. And I think something about that music really is relatable to people who live in, who, you know, live in rural areas all across the country, especially the Midwest. And so we realized really quick, like this, um, this is just something that's going to work on a more national level than we originally thought. So we're already planning our next tour next year. And I hope you can make one of those. Oh, I am. I don't know how that one got by me because like, I am literally am like obsessed with it. And I've got to, so I'll be, I'll be more mindful. Where do you live? Where are you? I'm in Matagorda, Texas. Oh, that's right. You told me that. So yes, the closest we got to you on this past tour was Houston. And yes, so, it would uh, definitely, I would have to definitely go way inland, go in somewhere. But yeah, that's why I'm going to share this story. And I've shared this story so many times and I've shared it here on the podcast. But um, there was one year way back, this is way back, Brazoria County Fair. I, I think it was y'all, Pat Green was playing. I did the stage intros and all of us Matagorda girls were there. Like it was our, it was girls not out. They came to work with Miss Helen. So one of my friends, Lisa, she actually lives in Quanta now, but she was like, she kept mumbling. I didn't even know she was doing it. You came off stage and you looked at her and you said, what were you saying? You were, she said, I was telling you to play Matagorda Bay. We're Matagorda girls, like the legit Matagorda girls. And you were so sweet. You were like, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't understand what you were saying. Fast forward to like the next year I had y'all at Schrader Dance Hall. Mm-hmm. and. I told this story and you said, well, at that time, this is way back, but you remembered and you actually changed your set list and put yes. that on the set for that night. Yeah. And that uh-huh. oh, meant so much to so many of us. So that's why we, that's why we just love everything you do and what you do. And, you know, 
please, God, don't let all of us girls get together and sing touch to the top of our lungs. I mean, it's like so many memories with your music. I appreciate that. That's that's really cool of you. Yeah, Matagorda Bay has always been a really fun song. Funny enough, uh, when we started writing that song, I wrote that to a buddy of mine named Jay Clemente. And I was I had been singing Corpus Christi Bay. And we just decided, dude, we can't call it Corpus Christi Bay. I mean, Robert Earl Keen's song is just too legendary. Just can't do it, right? And so um, he's a big fly fisherman, and I, and I, I love the sport as well. And we had a trip planned out there, and he was like, dude, let's change it to Matagorda Bay. And it'll just be so cool for the people who know where that is. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. So we changed it to that. And, of course, we ended up having to take a fishing trip out there because uh, that's what you do, right? Make yeah, gives you a good excuse to go out there. there. Yes. I see it. <laughs> see it back there. So, anyway, love it. That's cool, and I appreciate it. Uh, Y'all rocking and supporting the music. That's yeah, very genuine. And, of it, and and it's so funny because even in our and of course we're a tourist town, and uh boy, do do the tourists come in from out of town from inland and play that song when they're here? It's like they're kind of their thing. So, wow, it's been so good visiting with you. I do have one last fun question to ask you before we wrap this sure. awesome interview up. Um, if you were a cocktail, what would you be? As a what? A cocktail. What would you be? <laughs> cocktail. Uh, you know, I, I feel like the panhandler in me has to say Chilton. Finally, one of y'all said Chilton. <laughs> yes. I knew you would come through with that, Josh. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm a big ranch water guy, which is kind uh-huh. of like very similar to the Chilton, right? Both, right. you know, Topo Chico, just one's mm-hmm. tequila and lime and one's vodka and lemon. It's the same thing, I guess. But yeah, I'm going to go Chilton because yeah, why wouldn't I say that? All right. Well, uh, it's just been a pleasure having you. Everybody check out the album somewhere down the road. Check out the shows. And uh, Josh Abbott, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for your time today. That's really cool, y'all.